This is a free download from Delancey Healing Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at the Banks, St Simpsons in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Not really thinking about the future and the winters to come and the rains and what have you, 
We maybe just think, oh yeah, this is really hard. I'll just build on this ground without any foundation. It's really solid. It will be okay. I'll just, I'll just build this kind of a, a one-level house. It will be fine. No problems. I would probably do something like that and really think things through. Though, of course, when the winter comes and the rain starts coming down, suddenly the ground, which was really, really hard baked, becomes really muddy and awful and squelchy and whatever. And so underneath that wall, of course, it, the clay just softens so the wall starts to buckle and then one by one the stones of those well, the walls just pop out until you've got a complete destruction of that structure. It would have been okay if the land had stayed dry. But when the winter came, when the rains came, it fell down. There is this article uh, in the uh, weekly issue of In Jerusalem. Okay, it was the 1991 it was published, and um, it reported this. It reported the collapse of an apartment complex in the Jerusalem suburb. August 28th, a third of the uh, complex collapsed and 28 families had to be evacuated. And after an investigation, it was found that a sewer line had, had leaked water under the collapsed third, which had been built on the loose soil rather than on the bedrock, as was the practice there. The destruction was massive. It was like an earthquake. This has been the report. If construction engineers had just read Luke 6, before they had done that, they would have saved themselves a lot of money. You see, the Bible's very practical of brilliant advice for us. But that happened in 91. The wise, hard-working builder back in the day in Jerusalem would have known that actually you have to dig underneath the soil, you have to get through to the rock. Now the rock could be an inch below the surface, it could be 10 feet below the surface, it doesn't matter. But the principle was the same, you dig and dig and dig until you reach the rock. And when you reach the rock, begin to build. That becomes your foundation. And the wise builder would have known that. And Jesus uses his example to show us, to call us, to build our lives on the rock, to build our lives on the person of Jesus Christ, on the words of Jesus, to fully immerse ourselves, make that our foundation. I wonder today how firm our foundations are of our life. How firm are they? Because the problem we so often have is that we build our life on so much other stuff. Sometimes without even realising it, we've built our life on things. And we don't realise that until perhaps the winter comes and the storms come. But looking at this little parable, this little nugget, Actually, in the context of having a right understanding of it, um, we can see what Jesus is really saying clearly into our lives. Jesus is saying to us, will you build your life on the rock, on me, on Jesus, instead of false securities? I want to look at this first thing. In the account in Luke, we looked at just before, usually we remember the account of Matthew, because it's quite easy to remember wise, foolish builders, rotten sand. But if we look at Luke's Gospel, we see here that this image, this set of images that Jesus is using, it actually has its roots way back in Isaiah 28. 
So about 705 BC, so before Christ, Isaiah has prophesied and written this exact parable of the wise and foolish builders, really. And Jesus is using that idea. So I want us to have a little look at this by Isaiah 28. You can turn to it if you've got it. If not, I'm going to put it up there for you. So Jesus is here speaking to the people. And he gives them this parable, this story to show something. And what I just find absolutely amazing, and it never ceases to amaze when I read the Bible, is just how kind of interwoven everything is and it's linked together. And how much Jesus knew the Old Testament scriptures and everything Jesus is saying is so, um, you know, rooted in the Old Testament scriptures. And here he's using Isaiah 28. So let's read this together for a moment. <clears throat> Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers, who rule this people in Jerusalem. You boast, we have entered into a covenant with death, with the realm of the dead, we have made an agreement. When an overwhelming scourge sweeps by, it cannot touch us, for we have made a lie our refuge and falsehood our hiding place. But this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. Hail will sweep away your refuge, the lie, and water will overflow your hiding place. Your covenant with death will be annulled. Your agreement with the realm of the dead will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge sweeps by, you will be down by it. And this was composed at the end of the 8th century. And if we take a look, if we really study the structure of it and the way it's been written and the composition of it, it just shows how important and significant it was. Why was it important? What was Isaiah doing? He was addressing a nation that was facing an invasion. The, the Assyrian army were on their way and they were taking nation by nation as they went and they were coming to attack. And Isaiah knew this. And what happened here is that the leadership of Israel, they had formed an agreement with Egypt. They had kind of gone into coalition. We're used to that word now, aren't we? They, they had this defense coalition with the Egyptians so that they felt confident that when Assyria came, when the Assyrian army came, actually they would be protected by the Egyptians, by Egypt. And they, they thought that they would be saved by them. And Isaiah um, says to the leaders, he's he states to the leaders about their boasting, their confidence in this making a covenant with death. That making a covenant with death was making a covenant with Egypt. Okay, that's what it meant. The Egyptians, their worldview was centered around, around death and the worship of the gods that governed death. So he uses that little phrase to say, you know, you entered into this covenant with Egypt. And he speaks to them and basically says, you know, this confidence that you put in that, it's misplaced. It's worthless. We can see in verse 18 that he says, it's, it's, it's not going to hold. It's not going to be the thing that's going to save you and keep you. This agreement that you got into with Egypt. And Isaiah just mocks the people, really, declaring how that this idea that they place their trust in Egypt is actually a refuge, a shelter of lies. It's not going to pull through for them. So when the storm comes, in verse 17, we see Isaiah prophesying that the refuge, the shelter they've built, will be destroyed. They've misplaced their trust. They've, they've built on this, this foundation, this agreement with Egypt, but it was not going to hold. And Isaiah is convinced 
that it's worth this agreement. It's a worthless thing, a worthless thing. And so in the form of this parable, Isaiah rebukes the leadership in Jerusalem. And he then goes on to talk about actually a, um, a hopeful future. He talks about the sure foundation that is to come, the precious cornerstone, which is Jesus. They weren't really sure about that at the time, but we, in hindsight, look back and see that that's what it was. So this parable has two buildings. One is built and doomed to fail. The other is a future promise. Isaiah had no confidence at all in the building that, the, that Israel, the leaders of Israel, had made. That they were putting their trust in the Egyptians. It was a false security, and a storm was coming. A storm was on its way, Syria were on their way, the army was coming, and they had put their hope in something false. They had not put their life on, they had not built their fence on a sure foundation. How many of us at times are like this, like, the Israel, like Israel's leaders, building our life on things that are false securities, putting our hope, putting our trust, in things that are not going to stand, that are not going to last, that are not of Jesus. Maybe because they offer us some sort of assurance, maybe they offer us some comfort, some peace, some hope, whatever it might be, just like that agreement with Egypt. We put our trust and faith in it, but then realise actually they were full securities. Because if everything was stripped away from our life, everything that we had, everything that we've got, all of the wonderful stuff in our life, if it was all taken away and all we had was God, would God really be enough? Because my life, when I look at my own life, I can see that I build my life on so many things, on my job and on my finances, on my home. For some of us, it's our intelligence or look. You know, we do, don't we? We have these securities that we build our life upon and we think they're the things we hold to and we trust and we hope but they can go, they can be gone, and the storms of life will come. They don't offer total security anymore. I came across this little article. It says, psychic business can't predict its future. It said this, according to an article in Bloomberg Business News, in the fall of 2012, the Nevada-based company, Psychic Friends Network, released a copy of its latest investor presentation as part of a filing with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Psychic Friends Network went bust in 1998 with its parent company at the time filed for bankruptcy, but now it's back, bigger, bolder, and better than ever. Psychic Friends Network is publicly traded on the over-the-counter bulletin board, although it had no revenue for the fiscal year ended September the 30th. To leverage an iconic brand name using new technologies and social media to re-establish Psychic Friends Network as the industry leader for daily horoscopes and psychic advice. The company's website advertises we want all to know what our future holds. For centuries, great leaders have sought and found the vital psychic edge. And so now can you. The company is boldly forecasting $64 million of net income by 2015. But listen to this, ironically. The first page of its investor presentation included this cautionary note. Undue reliance should not be placed 
are the forward-looking statements because Psychic Friends Network can give no assurance that they will prove to be correct. You know, people put their security and their hope in all sorts of things. Things that may not last. Things that cannot offer the assurance and the hope that Jesus can offer us. We all do it. We all can build our life for security on things that we have. And Jesus is saying this, that build your life on God, me, Jesus, instead of all securities, and instead of people and good works. Why do I say that? Let's have a look at this. Isaiah prophesied about the future foundation. Isaiah said this, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. I will make justice the measure of life and righteousness the plumb line. And Jesus is the fulfillment of this. Okay, we know that. However, after Isaiah had written this, 600 years later, we have what we know as the Qumran community, a Jewish sect. You probably heard about them. And we, we have found their writings of the Qumran community. And uh, they wrote this. They took and reflected on Isaiah's parable. And they wrote this in their writings. In the council of the community, there shall be twelve men and three priests, perfectly versed in all that is revealed in the law, whose work shall be truth, righteousness, justice, loving kindness, and humility. When these are in Israel, it shall be that tribe wall, that precious cornerstone, whose foundation shall neither rock nor sway in their place. They saw that new foundation that Isaiah was prophesying about as this council of men, of the twelve men and the three priests. That's what they had seen and was going to be the foundation to build on. The Kumite community, they liked this parable and they played this promise for themselves. And so their goal was to have these twelve men and three priests who knew the law really, really well who had a really impeccable record of good deeds and good works, and they were going to be the cornerstone, the foundation. That's what they thought Isaiah was prophesying about. But they got it wrong, didn't they? It wasn't these 12 men and these three priests, it was Jesus. And there's times in our life, I'm sure, that we are kind of like that Kumran community, where we build our foundation on people and on others, on our relationships on our acceptance of others and how popular we are. We build our thing life on the wrong things. You know, I know, you know, we all have weaknesses in our life. I have an unhealthy worry of what people think of me. I'm sure maybe sometimes you do, but it's really, really hindering at times when you, when you worry about what others think and whether you're accepted and whether you're liked and these, these different things. And, and because of that, if, we, if that becomes an important thing in our life, then it hinders us and we, we don't build on Jesus anymore because what we're building on is, oh, I'm going to be accepted here, I'm going to be liked. So when I'm sat on a plane, wherever I'm going to, and someone asks me what I do, I say I'm a school teacher rather than a vicar. Why? Because too much effort, it's too much work to go down the line of saying I'm religious and then they got lots of questions and then you would be asked lots of things and you have to say your stance on everything and what you believe. I just send a school teacher to be fine. What are we building our lives on? Is it people? Is it people's opinions? Is it people's acceptance? Do we have an over-dependence on people? 
too much admiration for one person, one leader perhaps. You know, sometimes people get so fixated on some sort of spiritual Christian leader that everything they say is like, that's it. So it doesn't matter whether it contradicts Jesus' words in the Bible. I'm going that person because they're the person I listen to. We see that sometimes, don't we?
Jesus, like Isaiah, knew that the storm was on its way. When he spoke that parable, he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was saying about building their lives on him, the rock, because he knew that there would be a time coming when there would be this fight with the zealot nationalists and Rome and the temple, that glorious house that had been built for Jesus, for God, with compassion now. He knew it would be destroyed, the temple, the building. So he was saying, look, it's not a temple, it's me. I'm the new foundation. I'm the one that you are to build your life upon. If you're anything like me, your life is built probably on a combination of a lot of things. And Jesus is often thrown into the mix altogether of the foundation. But like I said before, if everything were to go and we only had Jesus, would it be enough? What would we do then? Is my life being day by day firmly built on the personal words of Jesus? Or do I forgo being loving and extending forgiveness because actually my life has been built not so much on the words of Jesus but my desire to feel justified, my desire to feel satisfied? I'm not building my life on the obedience of Jesus' words because instead I'm building my life on the acceptance of others. So I engage in that gossip, I engage in that slander because actually that's the third option because I'll be accepted there. Is my life being built on Jesus as my safe place, my refuge, my hiding place? Or actually, has my refuge become my relationships with others, my popularity? Not so much my dependence on Jesus as my provider, but on my wealth. Am I building my life? All along, the answer was there. Right way back in Isaiah, at the end of the 8th century, it was Jesus. It was a new foundation. Not the security of the Egyptians, or the people and their good works in the Kumai community, or the temple. And the answer was there for us today, as clear as anything. The very mouth of Christ himself. Stop building our life on stuff, people, on our good deeds and how our achievements and how great we think we are at stuff, all on the church. They're part of our lives but they're not our foundation. They're not our rock. If we don't build our lives on Jesus, we will get by for a bit. We will do okay because during the summer months the house stood. It was okay during the summer but it was when the winters came that the problem came. The foolish builder who did not build on the rock under the surface of the clay like that, then our building could compression down, our lives could be destroyed when we hit the winter months when the storms hit. Our building could compression down, our lives could be destroyed. They will hit. There's no house is exempt from storms. None of us are exempt from the storm. Jesus as a foundation is not some magical protection. It's just it's an assurance of hope and strength in the storm. It's building the right foundation. Jesus knew, you know, Jesus knew what was the right thing for us. When Jesus tells us to do something, it's because he knows what's best. Yeah? It's like when your parents know what's best for you, they do. Jesus knows what's best. He knows what the safest thing to do is. And he knew of the storms to come. The people back then, it was the Romans. He knew they were, that was going to come. And the temple would be destroyed. For us, it's all sorts of things. Our storms of life, I could list loads. Unemployment, sickness, loss of relationships. Struggles financially, sorrow, loneliness, fear, poverty. I mean, I could go on. Of things that we face, that we will face, and that they come and they hit us, 
So if we built our life on that person and that person leaves, what will happen? When we built our life on successful careers and we lose the job, what happens? When we built our life on acceptance of others and our popularity and people don't like us anymore, what happens? If we built our life on good deeds and we mess up and we stuff up and we sin and we fail, what happens? Well, we end up in a pickle. That's a new phrase. <laughs> we end up in a mess. Because we've not built our life. Jesus, how firm is our foundation when that storm hits? We're on the rock. Jesus knew the best possible place was to be standing on him and his words. They will see us through. They will help us. They will strengthen us. They will protect us. They will fulfill us. They will guide us. They will keep us. He's our foundation. He's our ultimate refuge. He is the hiding place in the storm. When life is hard, where do you turn? Who do you run to for help? We have a promise that we are not alone, but God is with us. Even when the storms of life come our way, God is with us. When our heart is broken and our mind is overwhelmed, God is with us. He will be your strength. He is the rock we can depend on. When you need help, He will answer you. God is with you. Put your trust in Him. Take hold of God's promises for your life. They are a gift to us every day, no matter what. God is with us. You know, I came across this lovely piece that was written as if God was speaking to us. I just want to read this quickly to you. It said this I know your story. I've read it cover to cover. And I know the storms that will come. And the waves will swell and the sky will darken. Though you will fight against the current, you will be swept away. You'll feel helpless and abandoned. And you'll wonder where I am in the midst of it all. I know this isn't the way you thought our relationship would work. But my plans are not for my comfort or yours. My purposes are always and only an expression of love. The scars on my hands are proof that love will sometimes lead you directly into the storm. Though you can't understand my plans, you can trust in one thing, that I am entirely good. You can't even imagine how good I am, and my plan for you is no different. When you shout asking where I am, know that I am right behind you, with my arms wrapped tightly around you, whispering, I will never let go. For you are the pinnacle of my creation and the centre of my affection. There will come a day when I will quiet every storm, wipe away every tear. In that day there will be no more pain or death, but until that day comes, I will be your anchor. Jesus has a great promise that he will be our anchor. Foundation. It's where we build And I wonder sometimes why we find it so hard, why I struggle so much to completely give my all and build my life on Jesus. And I think it's because it's hard work at times. Building a house is hard work, I'm sure. Never built a house. I built a den in the back garden. That's about my limit. That was strenuous enough. But I've never built a house, but it is hard work, I'm sure. Back then it was even harder because they, didn't have, they don't have the machinery and tools that we have. They were building on that hard clay. And digging was an effort. Digging through that clay that was like bronze was an effort. And it was dangerous and risky to do. 
And sometimes I guess it would have just been easier to build in the clay rather than go through all that effort to get to the rock, to get to that foundation. It takes effort. Sometimes for us, when we build our lives on Jesus as our foundation, it requires hard work because Jesus said it's about hearing, it's about doing, it's about knowing who I am and doing what I say. And building on Jesus is not always the easy option, is it? It's dangerous, it's risky, it costs in lots of different ways, but it is the safest. And when we look back at Isaiah, he talks about them building tools for the new foundation of justice and righteousness. They are to be the tools. It's not just hearing, it's doing, it's working in justice, it's working in righteousness to mark us out. The foundation is hearing God and putting it into practice and build our lives on those things. Jesus wasn't just influenced by Isaiah, he was influenced by Ezekiel. I know I'm running out of time, but let me just quickly show you this. This is Ezekiel chapter 33. It says this, They will know that I am the Lord when I have laid the land in desolate waste because of all the detestable things I have done. As for you, son of man, the people are talking together about you by the walls and the doors of the houses, saying to each other, Come and hear the messages come from the Lord. My people come to you as they usually do and sit before you to hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. They now speak of love, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Indeed, to them you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well. They hear your words, but do not put them into practice. When all this comes true, they surely will. Then they will know that See, Jesus is not just using Isaiah, he's using this passage in Ezekiel as well. He's saying these people that he has like admiring a beautiful song that are going away and doing anything about The challenge is more than just standing on the rock. The assurance that Jesus gives us, the person of who he is, but it's also doing his words. And like I said before, you know, I can recognise the voice of my parents very well. But whether I listen to them and obey them is something quite different. Yeah? And we can recognise the voice of Jesus, but are we really listening? Are we really obeying? Are we making sure we are people who are building the justice and the righteousness? He came across this about houses in an earthquake, and he said this, the houses that were built and bolted to their foundation were able to withstand the 8.2 on the Richter scale, earthquake thingy, um, and uh, they would stand. But on the other hand, the houses that were built in a period when they did not bolt them to the foundation, a good house, but it wasn't bolted, that house could move six or seven inches off its foundation and it caused the house to collapse. And so it was this great discovery that houses should not just be on their foundation but bolted to their foundation. He said, it's not only on the foundation, but if you're going to add a horizontal earth movement to this terrifying trail that we face, then you need to have the house bolted on its foundation. A sort of living relationship with the foundation into it as well as on it. That's great. That's what it is with Christ. It's not just on Christ, it's into Christ. And all that Jesus said and all that Jesus was, it's about making sure that that is our foundation, that we are bolted on. So that when the storms of life hit, and they do, and they are, we will still stand. Not magically protected, but we still stand. It's our assurance and our trust. Christ. He is our refuge place. He is our hiding place. 
We're called to build our lives on a foundation. This is not just a nice little children's story that's been tacked on to the end of Jesus' teachings. It is the fundamental thing of our faith. The, the most important thing that we can cling to and hold to is this assurance to build our lives on a solid ground on the rock. Jesus is the new foundation, not the agreement with Egypt. Not the assurance we have of stuff, not the common man priests and elders and negative words, not people, people's acceptance and our good deeds, not the temple, not the church, his ministry. He invites us to hear and to his words, and thereby we find our meaning, we find our security in this new temple that will survive Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.